feeling groove, feeling groove, feeling good, feeling good, feeling groove, feeling groove, feeling good, feeling good, feeling groove, feeling groove, feeling good, feeling good. What up, what up, what up? We are back. How you doing, bro? What's up? I'm making it, man. It's crazy. It's taking us so long to get back on this. It's all good. The people don't know. This was a uh, interesting one. Definitely different from the last Completely one. Completely sure. different in many different facets. On this particular episode, we are reviewing a podcast called Something About Shrinks. You know that's not what it's called, bro. <laughs> the podcast is called there The Shrink you go. Next Door. The Shrink Next Door. Marty Markowitz had his share of problems. Troubles at work. A failing relationship. His parents had recently died. And so Marty decided to get some professional help. In the summer of 1981, he walked into the office of a psychiatrist named Ike Hirschkoff. But this psychiatrist, it would turn out, wasn't like other psychiatrists. And from the moment Marty started seeing him, he began to change. If Marty Markowitz had known what he was walking into when he first visited that office, he probably would have walked right out the door and never come back. This is one I was completely unfamiliar with, and I think, Kyle, you were as well. Yeah, never heard it before. So when you heard The Shrink Next Door, did you have a thought that came into your head? Definitely, man. I thought it was going to be like some sort of self-help podcast or something. I was under the impression it was going to be more some person who used to be a psychiatrist giving you, I don't know, daily affirmations or something. Yeah, I, I, w- I was probably thinking along the same lines. And I guess, I mean, maybe the telltale sign could have been like the uh, graphics that they use. Because the, the graphic that is used for the podcast is a little like creepy. Like a hand. Yeah. Working, uh, working a marionette. Look at it. I would have said a puppet. This nigga educated as hell. Marionette. There you go. I'm saying, man, we, we can't all go to Morehouse, uh, bro. Whatever. Uh, shout out to Morehouse. Homecoming is coming up. We're we about to be lit. But regardless... When we talk about this podcast, you want to give the people like a rundown of what exactly this is? Because, I mean, I guess there's, there's it's impossible to do this without giving a little bit of spoilers, but we're going to make sure we get give you enough information where, where it's still going to be interesting um, if you want to listen to the podcast. But break, break down uh, what you would say the, the podcast is about. Yeah, well, first and foremost, this is different from the other podcasts where this one is a serial. You probably heard of serials before where there's podcasts that tell one long story, but break it up over episodes. It's kind of the same thing. So it's going to be hard for us to give you too much information without spoiling it for you. So we're really going to try to toe that line. But the podcast is about this guy who's struggling at a point in his life. So he goes to a therapist who he was referred to. And he develops this relationship with the therapist where he gives him his complete trust. And the therapist basically manipulates him and uses that relationship to use his fortune for his own good. I think that's really the easiest way to explain it without getting too much into it. I mean, do you have another way of that you would uh, say? Well, it's interesting. I learned something because... I didn't realize this, that this kind of podcast was called Serial. I thought Serial was just like the name of that one podcast. And then people used to <laughs> always just compare 
other podcasts to, to that podcast, but I didn't know that was actually like a type. And I wonder if that was a type before Serial came out. Yeah, it always has been. Um, okay. I think I think the terms came from television where you have a TV show that's serial and you have another that's episodic, you know, where it's like something different happens every episode that's not related to the episode before. Criminal of the Week type of deal where serial is one long story that um, follows a specific timeline. Okay, line. got it. An event, yeah. Well, if there's any other dumb people out here besides myself, I guess we just learned something today. First impressions. When you first started listening to this joint, what did you think? As far as the podcast is concerned, as the details, um, every podcast is available. At one point, I guess it was coming out every week. Um, there are only six episodes, technically. Um, there is a nine, it's nine episodes long where they have an update as far as what's going on now. It's really like six or seven, you know what I mean? With a couple, like, with two episodes that are like, one is like a preview for some other shit. And I think that the eighth one is like a final update, which is like five minutes long. Yeah, but then they had another one where they actually brought a um, psychiatrist on. Oh, yeah, that's true. To give her, to give her expert opinion. Yep. And in each of these episodes are only about 45 minutes long. It's not really that long. And um, the iTunes review is 4.5 stars. So uh, most people who, you know, listen to it. Yeah, it's and, and good. The, the host of it is a guy named Joe Nocera, who's also a... Uh, I guess a, a writer or a reporter. And it's real interesting because it has a more, he's not your average moderator from the perspective. It's not just some foreign subject matter that he just happened upon. It actually is based on someone who lived next door to him at one point, actually. And one of the characters, I guess he technically still does live like right next door to him. So that makes it a little bit different than most of these serial uh, podcasts. And it's sponsored by uh, Bloomberg and Wandry uh, Podcast Network. So when, we, when this thing actually started, right, for me, I was like, if I wasn't actually recording a podcast about a podcast, I may have just left it alone because this started really slow. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, unfortunately, um, we recorded the first podcast back in Labor Day weekend. I mean, you don't know when we're recording this one, but just know that there's been some time between then and now. And at that time, we decided that we were going to listen to The Shrink Next Door. I decided that I was going to listen to it on the way back. Um, I was driving from Pittsburgh, where Golden is, to Charlotte, where I currently live. And that's roughly a seven-hour trip, roughly. And while I was driving back, I'm like, well, I figure I can knock a couple episodes out. So I listened to some of, the, some of my regular podcasts first. Most of them have to deal with uh, football. And um, I also listen to Brilliant Idiots. And then whenever all those episodes ran dry, I put this on. And I'm listening to it. And I'm just like, man, this is boring as hell. I just I, I just couldn't get into it. I, and it was completely different than what I thought, because, I mean, as we already established, we already we thought, you know, I thought it was going to be like affirmations. I thought it was someone talking about, you know, you know, mental health or something, someone who was going to give you, you know, different strategies for coping or something like that. So whenever I found out that it was a serial and there was a story that was going to be told, it kind of threw me for an entire loop. And the narrator, Joe Nocera, his voice is really monotone a little bit. So you don't really get into it. They have these different voice actors um, who come in and they're playing different characters. And it was, I don't know, it was just, I just wasn't in the, the right state of mind for that, you know, especially after coming off listening to Brilliant Idiots, which is way more up-tempo, way more 
dialogue driven, not really subject matter driven. And I, I, I ended up turning it off. I, I had it on for about 30 minutes and I don't remember anything for the first 30 minutes. So I had to re-listen to it again later on. Wow. Yeah. So real slow start. I was trying to think of a movie that's like that. What's a movie that's like a real slow start like that? See, I can tell you a television show more than a movie. Um, I'm not sure if you have you ever heard of Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, yeah. See, Breaking Bad. If you ever, if you found out about Breaking Bad after it started, what you know about the character Walter White is that he's this bald dude, you know. So whenever you first turn a show on, if you're starting from episode one, he has hair and he's kind of a punk, and you're like, what the hell is going on? You know, you're just waiting, yeah. like, man, when are you going to cook this meth, man? Like, make this meth, bro. And, and so, like, the whole time you're just counting down to, for something crazy to happen. But when it picks up, it picks up. But it, for that first like episode and a half, you're just kind of waiting. Yeah, I would say this is very similar too because like. As I was, like, in my boredom, I, like, Googled, like, the name that came up. And I was like, oh, this dude was into some shit. So I knew it was going to get interesting. So, yeah, it's somewhere between Breaking Bad and then the Docs uh, episode for The Wire. Like, it's just like, yo, we just got to get through this shit. Yeah, <laughs> you mean the Docs yeah, season, man. Yeah, that season, season was up. I will say, I think probably that first episode is, is boring because this dude is doing mostly the talking and there's not, like, a lot of... He's not bringing in, I guess, the protagonist of the story, uh, which would be Marty Markowitz. Yeah, that's not right. And he's, um, he, there's not like a lot of voice actors and stuff in the very like first episode. So I think it's probably his voice that doesn't. It just seemed like when I first listened, I was like, man, is this for some like some rich white people or something? Like I'm just not like vibing. But I will say, probably halfway through the next episode, I became. Uh, very interested. I won't say enthralled, but it definitely picked up substantially because essentially you, f- you start to figure out like this dude, uh, this psych, this psychiatrist, his name is Ike Herskoff. You realize like this dude eventually is going to take control of this dude's, of Marty's whole life. Um, so let's give him a little backstory the main character, Marty, has a death in his family. His father dies. His father leaves him the, the company business. Uh, he, he has a breakup with a girlfriend. He's going through a lot of things. So just like a, a lot of regular people would do, he goes and sees a psychiatrist and he's recommended to see this dude, Ike. So he sees Ike and he goes through this whole process where he's describing like what he's going through and Ike surmises he, he, he gives him reassurance he says i got you i'll take care of it and this is before they got to the uh, conversation about people taking advantage of him yes and that was that was like a red flag right there it's like when i whenever i i haven't been to therapy i plan on going to therapy but i haven't been to therapy yet and so whenever i hear people talk about the benefits of therapy they always say they feel empowered by the therapist in order to handle their problems. So the fact that the first meeting that they had, he said, don't worry about it. I got this. That was like a red flag. And then essentially the, the main character or the protagonist of this story, which is a true story, I should say, um, Marty, throughout this story becomes estranged from almost everyone in his family, friends, even his business to a certain extent and becomes overly reliant um, on this dude Ike. And it, yeah, yeah. And so 
with that whole and, and and just to go to the extreme things, I mean, this dude's at some point, this dude's wife ended up on this dude's will. His kids ended up uh, on it on his will. He was got control of a business and accounts and was spending money. It, it gets crazy, y'all. And and like the interesting thing is, the spoiler really isn't what happened. The real story is how it happens and how it unfolds. So that's why we really made this uh, podcast interesting to me because it was like, how do you get in so deep, you know? And uh, it kind of made me also ask the question is, was it that Marty was like the biggest sucker in the world or was it that the psychiatrist was the biggest uh, con man in the world? Like, I would say more of it is Marty's responsibility just because, I mean, you have to be aware of what's going on. You have to see the things that are going on in your life and how things are just turning negative. One of the biggest issues that Marty has going into this is that he's at a low point in his life. And I think at this point, he's looking for anyone to confide in, anyone he can rely on. But problem is, I wish we would have knew more about his relationship with his dad, just because I want to know if he had a similar dependence on his father before his father passed, because it seems like he didn't really, he didn't have any issue handing all his responsibilities over to this dude he never met before. And and yeah, just to give a little bit more background, Marty was feeling overwhelmed by the business as well as the personal stuff. He was just overwhelmed when he went there. And so this thing got so bad where Marty was actually not making a decision without calling Ike. You know, dealing with suppliers, dealing with personal relationships. Like he was calling that dude for everything because he felt that Ike had all the answers. I understand what you're saying in terms of Marty having the responsibility. Um, and I would normally agree if this were in any other kind of scenario, if, if this were like a consultant, a business consultant that he went to go see and then he became uh, overly reliant on him. Okay. I can see it's definitely his fault. If this were a friend that he became o- over reliant on. Okay. Definitely. I think he bears a, um, the responsibility, but in this particular case, the fact that he essentially was doing a responsible thing. So when you're when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're kind of losing the handle on things, the responsible thing is to seek help and to seek professional help. Um, and there's a certain level of trust, um, both from a social perspective, a social contract perspective and legally that you're supposed to be able to have on somebody like a therapist. This is a doctor for your brain. Like, so when you're, to me, it's no different than being under anesthesia, like in a, in a dentist or something or, or something like you're given that doctor power. And if something happens while um, you're under, under their care and they take advantage, your vulnerability, it's really on them because like, I think, we should be able to have trust in medical professionals. Um, and and that, that, that's including like healthcare. I mean, mental health professionals as well. So that's where I kind of like probably would say it's it's 75% on, if not more, on this IQ. Bro, this happened for 30 years. 30 years. This whole thing took 30 years. From the time I met uh, Marty to the time... Marty decided he was through messing with Ike. 
it was a 30 year stretch. Like at some point, man, you, you, you gotta know it. You gotta take some responsibility, you know? No, nah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely unwilling to, uh, you know, accept that. The time is completely irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. And what, and what, what is. is that not irrelevant, man? If you can't find out that you're being caught in 30 years, man, I mean, my God, you don't deserve the money you have. You don't understand. You don't understand the weaknesses of the human mind. First of all, bro, tell me more about the weaknesses of your human mind. I'm listening. First thing you talk about with a therapist is what? Your problems and your weak spots. So like he literally and, and it's not like this dude, I wasn't a like a legit therapist. This dude was a legit therapist who went to school. So he knows people's weaknesses. He knows how to I guess what's the word you use? He knows how to prep people. So like you really could have somebody under your control in that kind of role. And it doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant. It could be one year. It could be 30 years. This isn't you don't have the same guard up that you have with a regular stranger as you do with a therapist. And like one of the things that was interesting to me is that like he gave Marty a nickname early on, like within that. And it, and it kind of like was a, a self-manifesting prophecy. He called him Easy Mark Markowitz. He confided on being able, people taking advantage of him. And he was able to see that through his stories. Yeah, man. I, I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, he played the dude because he was trying to tell Marty that everyone was out to get his money. Um, in the podcast, they talk about how Marty was engaged, I believe. And then he was no longer engaged. But the ex-fiance said that he promised her a trip to Mexico or something like that. And she still wanted him to deliver on that promise. And Ike's like, yo, you don't owe her anything. You know, he's like, you know what? I'm going to protect you from these people who are going to try to take your money. And I mean, obviously I know that nigga was a simp. Is that the right word? Is simp the right word? Probably. He was a child, man. Are you going to be like, yo, you still owe me a trip to Mexico after we break up. The fact that she had the goal to say that. I mean, that's it. That bro, that says a lot about that dude though. Right. So yes. what, is, what, what else in the relationship had happened for her to be like, I know we're not together anymore. I know we broke up, right? But you did say we're going to Cabo and I can go without you. <laughs> and this dude was about to say yes. Come on, man. That dude is a chump. And that, and, that, and that was before this dude Ike even came in the picture. When I look at all the things, he was obviously like susceptible to being kind even before stepping into the psychiatrist. You know what I mean? I guess he owes, he has some responsibility for that. Yo, you know, you know, you know what it really was though, right? What? Dude might've been pussy with. Come on, bro. Man, think about it, bro. I guarantee that dude didn't even get pussy. From her, he did. No, I don't think so. He did, man. They were, they were engaged, man. I, I guarantee bro, it, bro. Bro, he, he seems from the, from the context of this story, he seems like the one to say, she's special. I'm going to wait. <laughs> nah, man. I, I feel like she got him hook, line, and sinker, man. Like she put it on him once, and then after that, he was like, "Yo, you trying to go to Cabo? I got a place." No, I think I think he was supposed to get that pussy, and he was supposed to lose his virginity in Cabo. Nah, man, I do would have waited till Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently this dude can get calm for thirty years, man. He would have saw that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yo, people, people have done less for pussy, right? I mean. I'm sure you have. Come on, bro. I, I don't. I'm trying to think about things I've done for pussy. I haven't done nothing too crazy for for sex. See, I'm, see, wild is probably 
there, I mean, I've, I've I've done some pretty thirsty things, but I've never done anything crazy. Like I never like robbed a bank or anything like that. For no, I don't no think anybody robbed a bank for for pussy this story. Right. You don't know that. I mean, not not in this story. I mean, someone someone yeah. robs a bank in this story, but not for not 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 for pussy though. I think the craziest thing I did, man, just ended up with me getting pulled over by the cops. A lot of niggas have gone to jail for pussy. That's a fact. I haven't though. Like, I mean, that's good. I'm sure when I was in college, I did some wild stuff. Because in college, is is really when you go through the stage when you think that because you do so much for a woman, she owes you something. I feel like it took some time for me to learn that that's not necessarily like the case. So I don't know what the hell I did, but for a broke ass college student, I know I probably spent some money I ain't have for some coochie and probably didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See, that's the thing. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't a money thing. Cause I think if you, I mean, you know me long enough to know that, I mean, spending money in general, not really my thing. One <laughs> of the cheapest niggas I know until he got it, until he moves. Nah, nah, he can, he loosened nah, up. Right? I, I prefer the term frugal. Uh, frugal is a little more acceptable. Yeah. Nah, man. But in, in that regard, there was like some female I was dealing with in college and she had gone to a party and I thought she was going to come to my spot. And she was, but whenever she called me, she said that she had been drinking or whatever. I mean, I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll meet you at yours. So, but I am no condoms. I went on a condom run. And at that point, irresponsible. I w- set out the condoms. Yeah, but also irresponsible, right? Because at the same time, I didn't have my license. Like I had my car. I, I, I drove without a license for like two and a half years. That was wildly irresponsible, right? But I chose my spots. But I felt like this was a good spot to choose. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, you know. It's like two miles away, but I just got to make this stop at gas station real quick. So I go to the gas station. I pull out, get to the intersection and I'm driving. Then, you know, the lights come on. I'm like, golly, I'm like, what did I do? You know, I pull over and the guy's like, you know, I'm pulling you over. I'm like, no, sir, I don't. I have no idea why you're pulling me over. Right. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, you did a roll and stop through a blinking red light. I'm pretty sure I stopped. But, you know, who was I to argue? I ain't have a license. Blinking red light, cuz? Oh, my God. Bro, it's a stop sign. I know, but I'm just still saying it's still it's fucking blinking. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> but he, but either way, man, like that's what I got pulled over for. And the crazy thing is, you know, he asked for a license and registration. I'm like, sir, I, I don't have a license. You know, I mean, I'm most polite yeah. dude. You can pull over at this point. But uh, apparently, you know, my dad's name was on a registration, and my brother actually went to the same college. My brother was an RA and a coordinator before I got there. So whenever they called it over the radio and they said, because my dad and my brother, they have the same name. So whenever they said the name, they're like, oh, I know who that is. You know, let's let's see what's going on. So apparently they found out that I was related to my brother, who they knew because my brother had been on campus before me and kind of knew him. And he just was your brother a snitch. He was over there talking to the fucking police. nigga. <laughs> nah, like I said, he was a coordinator. I mean, that's the thing, man. You do. I mean, you got what's a coordinator. I mean, they be talking. They be talking to the popos and shit. You can't trust nobody. Bro, I know you weren't in the dorms long. You know what I'm saying because you had to get that off campus life going so you can sell your fake Air Force Ones and everything. But this is, right, you know, I, yeah, I, that's what I thought. But nah, man, you got the, you got an RA who's responsible for like a floor or a series of floors and the coordinators who's responsible for the entire building, the entire dormitory. And he was one of those. So he had to, you know, work with the, uh, work with the campus police for various reasons. Like if there's people who come in drunk or if so there's your brother a brother got you out of a ticket. That's the law. That's the un, fucking un, short un, story. Unwittingly. <laughs> he, he didn't know. Yeah. He, know he, know, he didn't know it. Shit, man. I drove an hour and a half to drop a stroller and a car seat off, man. He's good, man. He just had a baby last week. Hey, um, yo, congratulations to Keith with the new baby. What's the, uh, what's the baby's name? 
Keith. God damn, another one. Yeah, man, that's just just Keith Junior. Junior. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, man. So the but the thing was, the cop was like, well, obviously we can't let you drive from here. You got to find somebody to pick up your car. So it's funny. So Shorty, who I was going oh, to go see I in the first who place. This girl is. I remember the story. Yeah. So do I. So so she drove over to where I got pulled over at, and drunk. she was drunk. <laughs> I, well, she sobered up with the with the news. Apparently, you know, yeah. she had picked me up, and we drove back to my dorm. And then we had to walk from my dorm to go get my car. And drive it back to my dorm. And then, you know, so she'd get her car. And, you know, after we get back to the dorm, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, you know, night's young. She's like, not that young, man. Not anymore. Uh, yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing killer move like the cops, I guess, man. I don't know. I still don't have a story for myself being thirsty. And it's crazy because I know I've done some thirsty things. I just can't. It's not coming to mind. But you did, your story reminded me of a story where I was hollering at this young lady. Uh, she was still in college. And so I was, I, I was texting her and, you know, it was like one of those late night, it was, it, 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 this would have been like my first time about to smash. So, you know, that's the time where it's like the most anticipation. You know what That's what's up, bro. You really waited to college to lose no, your virginity, man. No, dog. <laughs> first of all, this was after I was done with college. I was working and shit. All right. But she was in college. This is the first time I was about to smash this year. Wait, so you waited till after college to lose your virginity is what you're saying? Leave me alone. This is the first time <laughs> I was going to smash this young lady. So this is where the anticipation was high. So uh-huh. I'm texting. We're texting back and forth like it's late night. And she's like, she's like, uh, I'm like, yo, you, you swinging through? And she was like, yeah, I'm about to swing through. But I was hit. I was like, well, maybe you should call Uber or something. I think this was early on the Uber game. But like, she was like, she's like, nah, I think I'm gonna drive, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know, but be safe. I said, I'm gonna uh, unlock the door. Um, Cause it was like three in the morning. I was like, I'm gonna unlock the door. I know this story. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, cause I knew I was tired. So I was like, let me go. Yeah, if you can't tell, man, me and this dude, we, we know each other. Like this is, this, this is my guy. I, this is like one of my, the closest dudes on this planet to me. All right. So most of these stories that we're going to tell, they may not sound familiar to the other person initially, but eventually we're going to be like, Alright, yeah, I know exactly where you're going, man. Exactly. Just, I mean, this this dude was my best man. He's a, he's the godfather of my daughter. Like you know what I'm saying, we we go back like car seats and spinal cords. So I mean, I know exactly where you're going, but I let you finish. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm like, man, let me let me go down unlock this door so she can come in and I can you know wake up when she get here. But I wake up like six hours later and I'm like, oh shit, my eyes is open. I'm like, forgot to unlock the door. I was like, oh, she about to get. <laughs> he pissed off at me and then uh-huh. I opened up my phone and I just seen a picture and it was just a picture of a fucking total car that hit a goddamn uh, light pole she didn't get off campus she hit the light pole on campus dog I mean she didn't die she didn't die y'all Y'all just make me like an asshole. I'll be out here killing bitches for this good day. Excuse me, ladies. I don't really be saying bitches like that, but it just it just it fit the story. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know what's crazy, man? I thought you were going to go a different direction with someone trying to break into your crib. No, no, that's a whole nother story. Shout out to both of those young ladies. They both <laughs> live in their bus life. You know what I mean? I think one is married. I know one is married. I think the other one is. You know what I mean? In a happy relationship or something. But anyway. Yeah, with someone yeah. with someone who unlocks their door. 
Yeah, so that's crazy, man. This this this, this joint is just making me look like the yeah, you know I mean the master. But I'm sure I've done some thirsty things. I, it'll come to me by the end of the podcast. Yeah, man, we like the. Yeah. I mean, we like to forget things that uh, we're ashamed of. I guess you got enough to be ashamed of to forget. Oh yeah, I definitely yeah, I definitely have some things to be ashamed. <laughs> all right, but either way, man. So back to uh, this dude Marty. All right, so Marty he breaks up with his with his fiance. She's calling him like, "You still owe me that Mexico trip?" And Ike is like, "Yo." Cancel that bitch. Get another one, right? So at this point, when he says cancel that bitch, he means not cancel the trip. Get another trip, but he yeah. means cancel that bitch. <laughs> yeah, yes. man. If you're if you're familiar with um, New Jack City at all, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a quote. Okay, so you can be mad at the misogyny, but you cannot give it to us. You gotta, you know, what I mean, transfer that shit to the movie. That's the turning point in this dude's life, you know, because Ike stood up to this woman for him on his behalf and then um what kind uh, did yeah. he actually stand up for like did ike talk to her what happened i think, I think ike might have wrote her a letter saying it wasn't going to happen ike writes a lot of letters like yes long letters too right from that point marty's like man that you know what i got this guy in my corner i'm really I'm trusting them. There's something that happened that cemented it, right? All right, so hold up. Let, let me, so before you go there, because I think I know where yeah. you're going, I want to get some more backstory, uh-huh. all right? So, although Marty was the one who was overwhelmed and he had this business left to him, it was, he's not the only one that the business was left to. It was also left to his sister. And him and his sister are, or and were, particularly close. They uh, worked within the family business. Um, he had a particularly close relationship as a uncle to uh, her daughter and, and later her son. And they had a real tight knit relationship. Um, so as this was, as Ike was involved and he was kind of putting the battery in Marty's back, like, no, it's time for you to be a strong man and all that kind of stuff. There ended up being some conflict between him and his sister more at the office of about like he felt that his sister was taking advantage of him. He felt that she wasn't working hard and all that. And then here comes the part of the story that Kyle is about to tell. Because I needed the foreshadowing. Thank you for that, sir. <laughs> he needed it. Not Basically, definitely. the sister ends up feeding into this narrative that Ike creates. Okay. Ike is telling Marty, people only want you for your money. You're an easy target. They want you for your money. And then in order to get Marty's attention after they fell out, I think the sister- All she wanted was his attention, y'all. Like, you know, that's it. She just felt like he was ignoring him. She kept on trying to reach out to him, schedule meetings, have conversation. He was, it was just all too busy. He only wanted to talk about work at the office. He didn't want to talk about anything personal. It was like becoming more and more strange. So she really just wanted to get her, his attention. According to her, what did she do to get his attention, Kyle? I don't know. You going to cut me off and tell him? Why don't you just tell him? No, 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 no. You got it, bro. Take take, take it from there, bro. Hey man, I, I predict they cut off like whenever I get to like the apex of this story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So either way, she, I mean, I got to reset it up now. <laughs> so Ike is telling Marty, like people only want you for your money. They want to use you for your money. And in order to get his attention, Phyllis, which is his sister's name, starts stealing shit from home. <laughs> like, like she goes to his house and she Not takes it and, she, and she takes savings bonds. She goes to where? Where was his uh, bank account at? It was a Swiss bank account. Hold up, before that. She goes to the safe deposit box. Yeah, and takes all his jewelry out. Yeah, all this family jewelry. Worth a fortune. 
their mother had all this diamonds and stuff that she used to have. And then, yes, she goes to fucking Switzerland. I mean, feel free to finish. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I was you. Well, you asked me a question. I was just asking you. You was like, did she go to Swiss? Anyway, she goes to Switzerland and goes to the Swiss bank account and she clears that motherfucker out. Like, and it, it's, it was nothing like too much. It was like, you know what I mean? Like two million dollars or something. You know what I mean? Something like some change, right? Yeah. And so, I don't know if anybody has siblings, but that's not how I get my siblings' attention. Bro, I mean, you also don't have a Swiss bank account, so I mean, you know. That's true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, if my sister had a Swiss bank account, instead of calling her, I would just, like, you know, take money from a Swiss bank account. That's basically like a text message. That's where I think some people are more reasonable, because, like, people in my family are more likely just to, like... Shoot you, probably. I don't know. Yeah, or stab you, you know what I mean? Or, like, you know what I mean? Just at least shake a swing at you, like hit, hit that dude. All she had to do was hit him, but she went through all this in an expensive ass plane ticket to steal all that money. So yeah, that was certainly an interesting part of the story. Mainly man. because it reinforced what Ike said and that just, that strengthened Marty's resolve in Ike. Cause Marty's like, man, you know what? You know, every, all these people are asking me for things or saying that I owe them things. And Ike told me that that's what people want from me. And my own sister, is out here taking money from me. So, like, who can I trust? Who do I turn to? You know, the closest person in the world to me right now is stealing from me. Who do I turn to? And he turned to Ike. Ike is out there like, you can turn to me, Big Poppy. It gets weird from there. But yeah, at the same time, when you think about it, like, yo, this chick stole like $4 million from him or whatever it was. Like, I mean, at least he didn't kill her. Cause you know, <laughs> at least you didn't kill. People die for less. Yeah, like if somebody steal that much money from me, yeah, you know I mean, somebody, I might kill somebody off principle, off way less. You know what I'm saying? So like, the whole relationship with Ike made me ask myself the question: Have I ever been in a position where I was conned, or what was the situation where I was conned? I really couldn't think of too many situations outside of romantic. I have no word, no, no pyramid schemes, no uh, Pfizer knife selling, you know. You actually brought up a sore subject. So actually, I'm going to start there. Fuck pyramid schemes, yo. Although I have never signed up for a pyramid scheme, I feel like I'm getting conned up when these people try to get me to like either be on a conference call or actually being on you up for Herbalife meeting with these motherfuckers. Cause these people, yo, I'll never forget. Like I was with this one dude, like on some business shit. I used to be a banker. Like I had I, I, like some network shit. And like he had approached me about doing some kind of like scheme. And I was like, nah, I'm really not into that. Like two months later, this dude calls me. He's like, yo, hey, I hope, you, hope all is well. Just want to connect with you. He was like, I got a uh, a friend of mine who's coming in town. He's a multimillionaire. Given what you do and what he does, like it might make sense for you to get together. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like I'm early in my banking career. I'm like, yeah, I need to know as many millionaires as I can. Like, especially if he's an entrepreneur, like maybe I can do some financing with, with him or whatever. So he gives me the address. Um, so I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like me, this dude and the millionaire. It's going to be three of us. I get there. There's a house full of people, like all, all these couches. This, this dude actually is a former uh, NFL football player from Pittsburgh who invited me. So you got, you, got, you got all these damn people in the house. Everybody sitting on chairs. And it's, a, guy, on. And it's a goddamn um, PowerPoint is on. And it was uh, selling Mary Kay. 
It was these dudes. I think it was ACM was the hustle. It was like ACM was like some kind of phone video phone thing. I don't know. But so and it was it was something packaged in with cable, all that. So all these people were there and I'm just pissed off the whole time. I'm like, this nigga really got me cuz and they go through their spell like you can get rich. You can do this. You can get all you got to do is sign, sign up and sign as many people and get a team and all that. And they're like, if anybody is not interested in making millions, this is your opportunity. You can leave now. And don't you know, it was sound as a motherfucker. And that was one of the most proud moments of my life. I was the only one who got up and I left right then and there. And it was, I felt so good for myself. And so, but I hate pyramid schemes. That was one example where I felt conned, even though I didn't actually lose any money or anything. Another example, some, some, this has happened to me like two or three times, like where a girl I know, like a fly ass girl, like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, yo, what's good? So you should have knew something was wrong with yeah, Rachel talking to you. Whatever, man. And I'm like, oh, look at her coming out the woodwork. And I'm like, y'all been good. I've been doing doing this. And then the question comes up. They all ask the same goddamn question. You want to earn some extra money? <laughs> you want to supplement your income? And, and you're like, yo, I know I'm not that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, no. Nah. And you, I don't, whatever. I don't know what me being that good has to do with this shit. I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> actually, I am that good. I should get paid. You know what I mean? Anyway. Right, bro, bro, you don't even know. I mean, you, yo, by your own admittance, you don't even know, man. So you're not. So it's all right, bro. Keep on with your story. And that girl that I mentioned on the last podcast who friendzoned me, she be doing that fucking uh, Herbalife shit too. And like, she always be trying to get me on that joint, but I refuse. I tell her, I'm not here to support your business. I'm here to massage you and rub on your booty when I get the opportunity. But I thought you, I, I swear you, I thought you were going to say rub on her feet. Cause I, I, I know that. I mean, going. I'm willing to rub on the feet as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what's funny, man, like with the whole herbal life and everything, I was actually talking to a, a friend of ours and um, she was telling me, I, I, how do I want to set up this story? It's the last episode of game of Thrones. Okay. And I know you don't watch game of Thrones. So, you know, just know that this is a big cultural thing. So anyone who watches game I'm of checking Thrones out right now, I'm, I'm answering this text. I just got a young lady text me right now. You know what I mean? With the, Hey, how are you, sir? So continue talking like that uh game of thrones bro but, but but we all know that the next text is like so they have you reconsider herbalife <laughs> so i mean why even why even You're respond, fucking you know, jack off. i hate you it's a season finale series finale of game of thrones all right so a friend of mine i think he's more of an acquaintance i think we established what an acquaintance is so we'll say acquaintance of mine i hit him up because i don't have hbo but i was trying to watch that in real time so i was like hey bro man you mind if uh, i swing through so we could watch this game of thrones together because not only does he have hbo he also has like a 112 inch screen like projector screen in his basement so i'm like this is obviously the move so three days later he sends out this um facebook invitation to like like 10 people asking if they want to come over to his crib to you know watch the the series finale of Game of Thrones, right? And one of the people who were in this this uh, invitation was his ex girlfriend, who was a friend of ours. You you know her. You'll figure out who it is over the course of the story. Okay, I know her well, don't I? I, I was eh, maybe not that well. Um, okay, but well, <laughs> maybe not that well. But I see that she's on the invitation, so you know. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hit her up, and I'm like, hey, so um. You going to this Game of Thrones viewing party or what? She's like, you know, I wouldn't, but or if you're going, I'll go. 
I'm like, you know, this won't be weird at all. You know, this is your ex who you have no clear interest in getting back with. But, you know, he obviously is interested in you, but he is also, I don't know, engaged. So this has, you know, the, the all the trappings of something very, I don't know. I'm still probably not, in I don't know. I'm not 100% sure who we're talking about, but I think I know who we're talking about. You might, you might. The people at home are like, what the hell are they talking about at all, right? But was, he had a, was he at an epic party that we went to? I would say no. Okay. I would say no. Either way, and, and the crazy part is like almost none of this has to do with the conning thing. Not all, like none of this has anything to do with the conning thing, right? So either way, let me fast forward through it. So we get to this individual's house and I'm the first one there and come to find out I'm one of the only people there. His fiance was gone. She wasn't going to be at the, um, she wasn't there to watch the game. Apparently she was doing the Game of Thrones. She was obviously doing some something else. So it was me and him and I text his ex-girlfriend like, hey, man, I don't know what your intentions are, like, you know, what you think. But right now, if you come over, it's just me, you and him. I just want you to know that. And she was like, all right, that's fine. I know who you're talking about now, for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. So she comes over, you know, and again, it's, it's awkward, man, because, you know, obviously he still has feelings for her. She's, she's obviously moved on. But um, she had this liquor in this cooler. And I'm like, man, that is a very useful cooler. And she's like, thank you. I got I got conned into buying it. I got invited over a friend's house because I thought that we were having drinks. Come to find out, she was there to to sell these coolers. Oh, so yeah. well, she didn't lie. <laughs> it was having drinks. All I know is your story took an unpredictable turn. That was like felt <laughs> like I was not. I was like, what is this nigga trying to con you into at Game of Thrones? And it was a whole. Bro, it had nothing to do with it, but I had to, I had to set up why I'm talking to her about this cooler, you know? Cause I mean, at this point I don't want to talk to them about the relationship. I don't want to go down that lane. She had a whole lot of stuff in this little cooler. So, I mean, had it not been like 30 something bucks, I mean, maybe I'd be interested in that cooler too, but you know, but whenever you go over there to hang out with your people and they're like, Hey, you know, I got this cooler for $30. That, that's not necessarily um, the place you want to be. Yeah. And I definitely don't know her that well. This seems like a really good time to take a break. So, um, and get back with you guys after the break. Earlier in the podcast, we talked about the craziest thing we'd ever do to get with a woman. And ladies, if you're listening and you never had any dude do anything crazy for you, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe the coochie is a little smelly. And don't worry, we have a solution for you, all right? You need to go to GentleWash.com. That's G-N-T-L-E Wash.com. That first E is not there. Check them out on Instagram at GentleLadyWash. Once again, that's G-N-T-L-E, Lady Wash. Look them up on Instagram. Get your poom poom smelling right. Back from the break. Uh, in the first half of this podcast, I, I talked a lot about how I was conned and uh, my relationship with pyramid schemes. Can you think of, of a time when you were conned before, bro? 
See, I've been trying. I know you. I know you're just so fucking smart and and uh, critical of people that you never would be kind to play for a sucker. But I mean, I'm glad you recognize that. But um, <laughs> and like honestly, I'm trying to think of like a time where I've been conned. I'm, in the first place, I went is my personal life, and I'm having a hard time coming up with anything in that regard. Opposed to your impersonal life, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> business, man, business. Like whenever I got out of college, man, the first job I had. And it's not even really a job, but I got a paycheck for it. it was whenever I was an extra in a movie. And um, at that time, you know, my mom was like, yeah, this isn't sustainable. You, you got to get it. Is that the joint you, you did with Q? Yeah, man. We showed up every day, uh, man. And we did. We just screamed in the crowd and we got paid for it. It was for a movie called Warriors, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually it was a solid movie, man. I went back and watched it. I didn't see myself. But I mean, you know, the, the paycheck's cleared. So <laughs> who cares? Right. Even that you did it in Pittsburgh, you probably weren't in it if you didn't see yourself because it's not that many black people. Well, yeah, man. A lot of what I did was crowd work. I was told that there were some deleted scenes that um, I could have possibly been in, but I just can't imagine buying the DVD, you know? I mean, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Back on topic, I guess. My mom was like, you know, well, you have to go get a real job. You know, obviously this isn't sustainable. And I'm like, well, you know, she may have a point. So, you know, I put my resume out there. I didn't have a whole lot on it except for whatever summer jobs I was doing during um, while I was in college. And one of the people who hit me back was Banker's Life. Some of you heard here Banker's Life and you already know where I'm about to go with that. I've never heard of Banker's Life, and that's kind of ironic considering you're a banker. What ended up being <laughs> my career path? Yeah. Right. So basically, it's an insurance company where they try to get you to sell insurance. Oh, I do remember this now. Yeah. yeah. So, so I go to this room and they're like, all right, well, this first interview is going to be a group interview, you know, and this is how we want to see if we want to invite you back for a second interview. And I'm in this room and I, you know, I'm dressed like I'm in an interview. I have my suit and tie on. I'm sitting there. You know, another guy comes up and, you know, he, he has some slacks and the shirt on. And then someone else comes in with, you know, pajamas on, you know, and someone else comes in, has their jeans on and a T-shirt. And I'm like, man, what crowd am, you know, <laughs> am I am I coming into? You know, like, what is this? Like, what am I getting myself into? Because I think. That should tell you a lot about where you are, because if you ever end up at a job and in an interview with people who look like they should not be in an interview, says something about the somebody came in an interview with pajamas on. Yeah, man. Apparently what I found out later is that whenever you're doing a job search for unemployment, you need to go to interviews, apparently. So people go to these interviews to get them to sign off to say that they went to a job interview. So they didn't have any intention of actually getting the job. They just had to say they went to the interview. And I bet you the banker's life he was used to those people they are because they okay so after the first part they decided who they wanted to keep and they let everyone else go so they let yeah. those people go and they're like well you know th those are the people who usually just come because they want to say that they uh you know got an interview for their uh, unemployment you know they you know they don't really take it seriously but you guys you know after the after the um the question, the way you answer questions, things like that. We think that you'd be really good. And then that's whenever you find out that, you know, you that you have to basically pay to work for them. You know, you gotta Hold up. Misnomer. I think that people should need to know. Me and Kyle from Pittsburgh. So this, and so although Kyle lives in Charlotte now, this interview process was in the Pittsburgh area, correct? correct. And Pittsburgh is like center of the opioid crisis. And so I just have like a visual of the kind of people 
who were there in pajamas. And I feel like it's probably like the OB, like uh, the victims of the opioid crisis who was in there interviewing. And you would be, for this and, and, and you would be wrong. Oh, uh, what? Oh. <laughs> you would be wrong. Oh, they were smoking crack <laughs> uh, Nah, man, they were just trying to get back to watch Divorce Court, bro. Oh, that's, shit. That's, that's one of those. Yeah, man. So unfortunately, that was the case. But yeah, man, after listening to the whole spiel and them telling me that, you know, I had to spend so much to um to get a license and then, you know, pay them so much in order to, you know, get put on to like get leads and stuff. I'm like, man, ain't this some bull? You know, so at that point. Oh, you had to pay them for leads, too. Yeah, that's for people who I mean, I'm sure some people can make that work. But those are people who will be able to make it work anywhere, anywhere, because they're straight salespeople at their core. Like your pops. And I don't want to talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> yes, like my pops. Actually, we can talk about that for a second. As much uh, as I hate pyramid schemes, I must ha- I have an admission. You know, my father has been involved with the quasi-pyramid scheme. Um, and while I was staying at home after college, uh, where I was paying rent but still saving uh, some bread before I bought my place. It would be like some conflict of interest because, you know, I would have friends come over to visit me because I'm the coolest nigga ever. And those friends would get sequestered in the dining room. And as my father would try to sign them up to sell Primerica insurance <laughs> products. <laughs> and I used to tell all my niggas, I told them, I said, this ain't got shit to do with me. That's between you and him. Whatever you go through is between you and him. I'm not giving no motherfucking cosign. I don't do shit. He ain't touching none of my shit. That's on y'all. Yeah. Now, my one homie, Jimmy Lee, was going on conferences, going to Ohio. And it would be, I will say, I'm back on my rant. I'm sorry. But like pyramid scheme, people are the most annoying people on earth because like we couldn't even go. I remember we was out on uh, Father's Day. I'm paying for this nigga to eat. He in the yard and all taking a lick. Hey, hey, brother, I just want to say happy Father's Day to you, brother. And, uh, you know, as dads, we got to make sure our kids are straight. You know, you got your life insurance. <laughs> At the urinal, bro. You got some investments. <laughs> oh, but, man. But I, w- I must say, man, it's better, to, it's better to hustle than be sitting on your ass. Oh, definitely. There's another um, individual who was a patient of Ike. Her name was Amy. And she said that she had Ike written into her will. She was she was very well off, very wealthy. And Marty also uh, had rewritten his will. And, you know, they clearly asked both of them, like, hey, did Ike tell you to do this? And they're like, no, Ike has a way of saying things without saying things. And that I mean, I, I hear that. But part of that is like the dangers of being like charismatic, where people think that you're asking them to do something that you're not actually asking them to do, you know, where certain people are going out of their way to try to please you because they think that it's what you want. And that's not the case at all. I feel you. The char- the charisma is crazy. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. The thing about that is um, it's, it's dangerous, right? Because whenever you think about the most charismatic people, they're either like extremely famous or they're extremely infamous. You know, either you can be Barack Obama or you're like, you know, Charles Manson or like, you know, or Jim Jones or some other cult leader who has like seduced Kanye West nah, not really not really I don't nah. I think he was just talented and people liked him but I, I don't think he's charismatic I'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to think who's the most charismatic rapper would it be what about T.I. Killer Mike yeah he is, yeah. He is charismatic I, I'll give him that but he's charismatic in a certain lane I don't know LL Cool J 
See, is that charisma or is that dude just like buff and licks his lips and shit? You know what I'm saying? I mean, what are you talking about? It's a thin line, bro. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think like Tupac was definitely charismatic. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Tupac. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, like the charis- being charismatic, man, I think it's kind of like being clever, man. It could definitely get you in trouble because people attribute certain things to individuals with charisma or people who they deem clever. Because, I mean, it's cool for you to be a clever person and think you're you're a clever person. But once other people start attributing that to you, you're in all types of trouble, right? For instance, I bought a um, I feel like this is going to come up later in the show after reading the rundown. Right before Amanda gave birth, or was it right after? It was probably a couple weeks after um, our daughter was born. Um, there was a guy going around the neighborhood selling um, alarm systems. And generally, you know, we don't even answer the door or anything like that. But for whatever the reason, answer the door. We're talking to him. And, you know, they have like, um, I guess part of their sales training is kind of fear mongering where it's like, oh, well, you know, you hate for something to happen and, you know, this, that and the third. But what really appealed to me was the fact that it came with a, you know, a, a doorbell camera, you know, since I had to go back to work and Amanda was at the house by herself with um, Ren, you know, it gave me the capability to answer the door without actually being there. And it came in handy a few times. All that to say this, this is where, you know, people start thinking for you because, you know, they think that you're thinking steps ahead. It's almost like chess. I don't play chess, but this is what I heard. Whenever people think that you stay, you think three steps ahead, they try to think four steps ahead, right? So Amanda often checks the activity of, you know, the doorbell cam and like the alarm system. It shows what doors are open, what doors are closed, and you can see who comes in and out the house. And I think she was in New York for some period of time. And we were having this conversation. We are on the phone and she's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. If you wanted to bring some woman over, you know, some, some, some. And I'm like, what are you even, what are, what are you even talking about? Like, why would I even do that? I'm like, we got a doorbell cam. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, how, like, what are you even talking about? And she's like, yeah, but you could just open the garage and park in the garage and walk to the garage door. <laughs> There's no camera. And oh, what, what a good, that's a great wife right there. A wife that like gives you the blueprint on how to cheat on her. That is a motherfucking keep. Dog. But here's the thing. But that's the problem with being clever because that was already attributed to, like, I had already thought about that. But for that solution, salacious reason like again that's where like being clever just gets you bad thing because people oh, attribute it. say you had already thought about that no <laughs> I you no no but no but actually i mean it, it sound like a joke but i had gotten her something for uh for her birthday or for christmas or something and i couldn't get into the house without her knowing if i brought it through the front door so i put it in my trunk and i drove it to the um through the garage and i think i put it up in our closet somewhere where she wouldn't look so and that's how i got into the house but you know to think to bring a female in that way i mean that's not something that really crossed my mind because it's not something i ever intended on doing but yeah because you know in amanda's mind like i'm a clever person who already thinks like three steps ahead of the situation she she already attributed that to me so i'm just like god damn like i, I mean i'm no nah. <laughs> yo our mind works crazy differently that's wild but charisma important uh, I want to talk to you, Kyle, about one of the interesting things that I heard toward the end of the podcast when they brought in a psychologist slash therapist. And they were talking about crossing lines versus boundary violations. And those aren't the same thing? I, no. So 
what they were saying is that over the course of therapy, there are lines that get crossed. One of the examples that they use is if it's pouring outside and one of a therapist's clients took the bus, the therapist might offer to drive that person home, you know, but a boundary violation would be them not only driving them home, but accepting the invitation into the house or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And one of the interesting things that it, it brought up is that it says like lines get crossed sometimes. It's a part of what happens over the course of a professional relationship. But the, the key thing is to prevent lines get cro- lines getting crossed as often as you can because all boundary violations are predicated by lines being crossed. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, really what you're talking about is just like, you know, accumulating effects, small things that turn into large things that wouldn't necessarily exist without each other. Yeah. You know, because another another um, example they gave was the therapist ends a session with the patient. The patient says, I love you. And the therapist not really thinking says, I love you back. Not really thinking, you know, because sometimes people say, I love you. You're like, oh, I love you. And then you think you're like, I don't really love this person. But, you know, you just kind of say it. It's like reflex. Exactly. You know, so in the next session, have you ever said, I love you to someone during sex that you didn't mean it? I mean, I may have said it differently, though. I wouldn't be like, I love you. I'm like, yo, I love this. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. That's the well. That's not. That means you didn't say it. If you say I love it, that means you're still under control. I love it. I say that all the time. I love this pussy. I love it. That don't mean nothing. All right. It's something that apparently a lot of dudes say, like when I'm listening to other podcasts and stuff like Including that. Including you, I guess. I've never said it and didn't mean it unless somebody said it first. But I've never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't leave it. I can't leave it hanging. This shit, you know what I mean? You could. You really could. I mean, I mean I could, but you know, what I mean, that, that's kind of that kind of fucks up the future. So if it's good, you gotta like be like, I love you too, because I would like to continue having these kind of relationships with you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. There's probably some like happy medium there, you know, where she's like, I love you, and you're like, so do I. That bro, that's awesome, man. If you say so do I, in her in her brain, you said I love you. But you, but at least you got an out, right? Yeah. You got an out, man. You ain't just like come straight out and you know what I'm saying get like single white female out there. Oh shit, I don't even know what single white female means, but I yeah, don't that's know. probably not even a, that's not even a correct movie. What movie am I thinking about where Glenn Close uh, puts the bunny in the boiling water? I don't know. It sounds fatal sick. attractions. Fatal attractions. I was about to say, sounds quite sadistic. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, it wasn't great. Anyway, so in the next therapy session, if the therapist doesn't say, you know, um, we had an exchange before, and I didn't mean I love you when I said it, if he doesn't clear it up in the patient's mind, she's still like, oh well, I guess he loves me too. So the next time they end the session, they hug. The therapist may still not be thinking about the whole I love you thing because it was just a slip of a tongue. It didn't mean that much to him, but to the patient, it means a lot. So now you have this hug and you have this I love you. So each of those things individually probably doesn't hold a lot of weight. But both of those things together, it's like, man, this dude's hugging me and he said he loves me. You know, that opens it up for the next thing. So at the end of the next session, the the patient goes in and kisses the therapist. At that point, I mean, you're already on the slippery slope because you have all these small things that amounted to this larger issue now. We talked about being charming, right? One of the books that I've read 
that I think is a good book that everybody should read, whether they're in a relationship or not, is The Art of Seduction. And one of the things in that book, because one thing about Ike is that he has, he does not have any charges of having a sexual relationship with any of his clients. Um, But one of the things that Art of Seduction talks about is when you have, it puts people in these different categories of how they seduce. Uh, one might be like a siren, which is like a, basically your stereotypical lady, beautiful lady in a red dress. Another one is an androgynous figure. So which one are you? For the, for the, I don't know. I, I fit in between. So the androgynous, somewhere between the androgynous figure and the siren. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this beer makes. I don't think this. I don't think I could be androgynous with this beer. But anyway, w- when it comes to the charmer, it actually says for the charmer, they're most effective when they don't submit the sexual satisfaction because they kind of live so much in the person's head. What could be is way more powerful than what actually could actually happen in real life. So you're definitely the and charmer. Fuck you. That doesn't mean I don't get no pussy. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't like you, dog. I don't, I don't saying, like man. you, bro. So anyway, it's, I think it's, it's interesting that the fact that he didn't have sex with like his woman clients. So that was just like an interesting thing that like jumped up in my head from like listening to this too. Because um, by all accounts, he was a charming uh, Yeah, figure. definitely. Um, I would go more into that, but we need to wrap up. In closing, what are your overall thoughts of the uh, podcast? Overall thoughts, I thought, although it was a, a slow start and there isn't really too much humor, at least direct humor that you get out of this. Um, even though a sister fucking robbing somebody for attention is pretty funny to me. I think it was a worthwhile um, podcast to listen to. I think it's something that uh, make you think about the interactions that you have with folks in your life. Makes you think about maybe whether you're you may be manipulating folks in your life, or maybe whether you're being manipulated by someone else. I thought it was cool, man. Like, I mean, if on a scale of one to ten, I thought it would be like seven. Right. You know, um, we'll we'll talk about the usefulness a little later. What do you think about it? Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, as we already chronicled at the beginning, it just started really slow. It wasn't all that interesting, but you know, the first episode really set you up for the bait and switch, you know, because you're listening to it thinking it's linear when it really wasn't. And I think without the, you know, the boringness of the second episode or, you know, you know, the second season of The Wire, you know, you don't really get all the information you need for the rest of the series. And it I think it was good. It was uh, it's really interesting just to have the, the, the debate with yourself as to whose fault is it? You know, I mean, is it this guy's fault for getting scammed for 30 years or is it this other guy's fault for taking advantage of him? Obviously, you know, the guy who's taking advantage of him has a lot of culpability, but I mean, you know, you can't be that much of a gump to just let yourself be taken advantage of to that degree. And for, I don't want to get into why they severed their relationship or whatever. I know you uh, alluded to it earlier, but we'll let the listener come to that conclusion on the sixth episode whenever they listen to it. But for for them to kind of end the relationship in that way just makes me feel like he probably could have got from under him a lot sooner had he actually made any attempt at doing it. 
But as far as the entertainment value, um, after you get past the first episode, get into the second episode, it was very entertaining. I actually listened to it twice. The second time I listened to it, I listened to it on um, two times speed so I could get through it a lot quicker. And it's better the second time through because you already have the information and you can pay more attention to the details of the um, podcast instead of trying to follow who's who and what's going on. Yeah. And I, I will say for future reference, it's really a special kind of art to do a podcast on this kind of podcast because we have to do so much rehashing of the facts. So I feel like this is a learning lesson for me and probably for you as well on how to like attack these kind of podcasts and how to make it entertaining, but also how how uh, to make sure people are like in tune with what is actually happening and what we're referring to. On a scale of one to 10, uh, I'd probably say it's a five or six. I mean, it was entertaining, but I mean, you know, if I never heard it, who cares? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, would I give it a seven? Yeah. 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 I mean, you're, you're, you're more generous. Split, split the difference. Now, in terms of how useful this is in your life, on scale of a doorbell without a camera and Wi-Fi, how useful is this to your life? I met a couple of things, right? So a doorbell is still useful even without a camera because it alerts you that someone's at the door. Assuming that this person doesn't have your phone number or, you know, your phone died or something, because most people don't have house phones, doorbells are relatively important. They are useless. Are they I don't, I don't, I've been in my house for almost 10 years. And no one visits you, dog. I, I know. got no doorbell. That's because like, chicks are trying to break through your window, apparently. <laughs> Shout out to that lady friend of mine who tried to climbing through my window. She was just trying to say hello. I I don't have a, a fucking doorbell because if you don't know me, you shouldn't be at my house. I expect a phone call and you shouldn't be coming up without giving me a heads up if, I, if you do have my number. I don't want you just rolling up here. So hearing people knock at the freaking door is a perfect opportunity for me to like look out and be like, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, so yeah, doorbells, absolutely, absolutely like hardly any use. Wi-Fi, no one can argue is very useful to our everyday life. I don't know, man. Why we could have went with like a welcome mat or something instead of a doorbell. I mean, less people use a welcome mat, especially after like a welcome mat is gets old enough. And even whenever you wipe your feet on it, you don't get all the dirt off your feet. No, you're using Southern privilege right now. Nah, man, I'm, I'm using logic right now. No, bro. no, 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 no. Because it's winter. When winter comes... Yeah, you need to fucking hit that welcome mat and get all that that nasty ass shit from outside. Bro, when winter comes, you need to take your damn shoes off before you walk in the house. That's true. But you also need to hit the welcome mat first because sometimes... And then take your shoes off. Overkill. You got to do both. You actually need two welcome mats. You need one else. So from, so from, from welcome mat to Wi-Fi, <laughs> how useful is this? Um, first of all, I'm sticking with doorbell. I don't think I, I gave you your credit last time when you, that motherfucking paperweight, that made some sense, but I'm not, I'm not rocking with this welcome mat shit, but you know what? Bro, you know, what's even more useless? A door knocker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a door yeah. knocker is, is useless, yo. That's some useless ass shit, dog. From door knocker to Wi-Fi, I would say it's closer to Wi-Fi because it is. I've been thinking about going to therapy. I'm going to therapy this year. I got a promise with with you and another homie of mine. I'm gonna do this shit. 
we're going to do this shit together. We're going to fucking get better together. You know what I'm saying? Be the best us. But just the fact, one, one of the things that uh, my homie's therapist told him was that people make the mistake when they see a therapist, they don't realize those first couple of minutes, you're actually interviewing the therapist, making sure it's a good fit for you. And um, I think too often uh, people just take the first person that's given to them, even though that they may not be a good fit. And, you know, a therapist may be depending on their style, depending on their background, they may be more or less useful to you being your best self. Um, I was just talking to one of my, uh, young homies, like he's had experience with therapy, but it's always been with folks that he feel like don't really relate to him. He's a young black dude with adoption history. And he's always seen like these white people who like tend not to relate that he feels they can't relate to him the best. So it's like, bro, whether, and he's just like, man, fuck therapy, that shit don't work. But I'm like, bro, maybe you should just Try someone who's a therapist of color or someone who has a background that can relate to you or has a focus that can relate to you a little bit better. You know, so I think if if it's if it's if it's one to five or one to ten, let's say one to ten is always easier one. I, I feel like the usefulness is like, you know, what I mean, six and a half, seven. You know what I mean? Something because I, I, I don't want people to like listen to this episode and feel that therapists in general are like people who just are here to control your life and take advantage of you. I don't know. What do you think? Usefulness? I'd say probably probably closer to the door knocker for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also plan on, you know, going to therapy at some point. I mean, I really have a hard time finding a therapist, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what I wanted a therapist before, at least background wise and ethnically what I wanted a therapist before I actually go that direction. And is it, man, it's a lot harder to find than I initially thought. But um, this actually had no bearing on that. Yeah, um, I can see that too. Yeah, because I mean, because I, I don't know, man, because I guess I don't see myself in the main character, the, uh, you know, the Marty at all, man. I do sucker, you know what I'm saying? And again, he's going through a lot in his life where he's at a low point where he needed to feel like he needed to get some things off his shoulders in order to carry on with his life. That's not really what I need right now. You know, I will say it probably gave us some red flags, though, that would be acutely. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So I guess we're moving up from, you know, door knocker to doorbell then as far as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, far, as far as usefulness. To this. Doorbell, you know, so I mean, but we we have, we've already acknowledged that the doorbell is not the, you know, on zero to ten. It's not the zero or the, I mean, yeah. it's not the zero. It's, it's closer to like the three. Exactly. Yeah. So in as far as like trying to find identifying red flags with therapists, I think that it could be helpful in that way. But outside of that, it was just um, it was a good way to kill. I don't know, seven, eight hours of my life. That's about it. I mean, it was, it was cool, but not not super usual. I can dig it. So uh, with that said, though, man, we appreciate you all listening. We would love your feedback. Go and give them the handles. So I need y'all to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on social media at About Podcast. You can find us at About Podcast. And on that medium, I would like to see videos. I would like to see comments about how you felt about this podcast. Not particularly our podcast, but this podcast, The Shrink That Sat By Next Door. Are you a longtime listener? Do you agree with our assessments? Um, is this something that you think you're going to listen to? I'm sorry. To? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you just say The Shrink Who Sat By Next Door? 
Well, bro, you're, you're definitely mixing two things up. You're talking about like the, the spook that's out by the door and the, sh- the, the shrink next door. That's that's how you know. Uh, what's called? Okay, the so, shrink next door. I need y'all <laughs> to talk about the shrink next door. Did y'all vibe with it? Is that something that you rock with? Do you rock with ours? Let us know. Like, did we uh, give an accurate uh, assessment on the usefulness or the overall quality of this podcast? Like, and uh, if you feel different, we want to hear about it. Also, I'm curious, what podcast do you listen to? What do you think we should check out? Send us links, send us clips. Uh, it'll, it'll be beautiful to uh, connect with y'all and, and uh, your opinion certainly matters. And last but not least, uh, it's very important uh, iTunes. We need you to go in your iTunes and go to something about podcast rated five stars and leave a comment. It, it means a lot. It has a lot to do with how we come up and our opportunities to continue as a podcast. So please leave a comment. Tell you I love us. Tell you you rated it five stars, but you wish you rated it one. But just because you fuck with us, you're going to do what we told you to do. Yeah, I mean, do whatever. Or better yet, man, whenever you go to iTunes and you leave a comment, you know, let them know how you found it. Boom. That'd be great, too. So with that, I want to say we out. Hey, Kyle, you did a great job. Let's keep this shit going, man. I can't wait to the next one. Thanks again. You guys are great. And we out. <laughs> <laughs>